I've officially arrived at the gym. That's step one. What's step two? I guess just stand here until an idea for a workout routine comes to me? Or maybe step two is flagging down a trainer to help nope, and- Nope, no way. I already spent most of my money on the gym membership. I can probably figure it out myself. Or you could try FitBot. It's an app that builds a workout routine for you based on your goals and fitness level. You can even tell it what equipment you have so you can get a plan that's customized just for you. So FitBot does all the planning for me. I don't have to Google random videos hoping they're right for me? That's right. FitBot actually has exercise demo videos for you too. Plus, a whole year of FitBot costs less than a single session with a trainer. Huh. Maybe I'll finally get more than one workout out of my gym membership this year. Download FitBot today and get a 14-day free trial plus 25% off your subscription when you go to fitbod.me slash getfit. That's fitbod.me slash getfit. It's time for my annual trip to the gym. You only go once a year? Yep. Arrive. Have no clue what to do. Try some random exercises. Leave. That's it. You should try FitBod. It's an app that builds a workout routine just for you based on your goals, fitness level, and equipment. And a whole year of FitBot costs less than one session with a trainer. Wow, this has already been my most productive gym trip yet. Download FitBot today and get a 14-day free trial plus 25% off your subscription when you go to fitbod.me slash getfit. Incoming pitch, spin rate of 2,500 RPM, 95.6 miles per hour. Uh, adjusting swing, 12 degrees. Proceed with launch angle. Ladies and gentlemen, there's an agreement in place, and we finally are going to have baseball in the 2022 season. I'm so psyched. I'm Van Lee. I'm your host of the Launch Angle Podcast. I'll be joined by Jeff Zimmerman and Rob Silver here shortly, and we're going to talk all, not all, some of the details of the CBA that have come out and how they might impact this upcoming fantasy season. And then, of course, we'll also wrap up our ADP analysis segment for the year. We're going to shift forward into different things. So we're talking players around pick 300. There are some exciting names in there, and there's some kind of boring, horrible names in there, but we'll see what these guys think about them. I don't have a whole lot else for you. We've got a long show, so let's take a quick break. Come back, talk some baseball. Here's the pitch. Uh, Welcome back to the show. I'm Van Lee, and I'm joined by Jeff Zimmerman. Jeff, you were pretty much preparing to take a little bit of a week off because this is all kind of dragging on us, and then boom, we get a CBA agreement. So welcome back. We've got a show this week. How are you feeling on the eve of this agreement? It, it feels good. It's like at least kind of have a plan going forward. My trip to Vegas didn't get canceled. Um, it's going to be kind of a little bit different drafting in the first weekend, like Vegas being the first weekend of drafting. So there's that, but at least still going there, still going to do the main event in the big room with everyone. And um, I'm, I'm ready. Like I said, let's, it's going to be a lot of information. It's going to be really quick, but at least we kind of have like a target right now. And I mean, we mentioned on previous shows how it's just going to be pure anarchy once this thing gets signed. So I'm ready for the wave to hit. Rob, are you ready to navigate the craziness that will be the uh, Major League Baseball season now that we've got one? What a wild ride this week was. <laughs> uh, like, I'm I'm the most emotionally intelligent person that, that I know, which uh, suggests maybe I'm a psychopath if I think I'm that emotionally uh, intelligent. And even I was falling prey to the highs and the lows that there's a deal you know, imminently coming and it's like, fuck you, Bob Nightingale. Uh, and then it's done and we're not going to have baseball until July at the best. And then it's back and then it's gone. It's like uh, when it actually happened and Jeff Passan uh, emerged from his, uh, uh, like, well, how wild was that? That was amazing. Uh, it's like, I just want to keep doing the Ric Flair woo. I'm so happy and I'm so beyond like blaming the owners and being mad about this and mad about this. Like who gives a about all that? We'll deal with all that five years from now. The next time we're back, I'm just so happy it's going to work out. I'm so happy there's going to be 162 games. If for no other reason that like 2020 is already such a mess in terms of our analysis, how we talk about these things. 
like even just 148 games just makes everything so messy. And one of the great things about baseball is being able to compare season A to season B so that we are going to be able to do that. It's all just, it's so good. And in some ways, paradoxically, having been through the crap and the emotional like hostage taking of the last three, four weeks of canceled spring training and things looking bleak makes it even sweeter now that baseball's back. Let's not take it for granted. Let's not take, I'm also going to Vegas in like 10 days. It's crazy. In 10 days, I'm getting on a plane to go and do drafts. And we don't know where like 100 players are going to be playing uh, yet. All the guys we've talked about all winter, it's like, boy, I really want to see how he looks in spring training. It's like, yeah, you're going to have four days to hear, to see how they look in spring training before you're drafting. Uh, but it's all awesome. Those aren't complaints. That's it's It's amazing. I'm so, so, so happy. Absolutely. Utter craziness is what it will be, but we're able to turn that page and focus on what's coming, and I'm super pumped for it. I'm so ready. So let's talk a little bit about this CBA. Obviously, there's still details being kind of hammered out, certainly by people who want to understand what's going on. And I just want to talk about what could be relevant to us as fantasy players. Now, the big thing that came out recently was that we might have the shift band sometime next year. That's not solidified. We can talk about that if we want. But Jeff, what happened in this CBA that you can point to things right now and say, okay, I need to focus on this because it's going to change things? Is it just the 162 game season? Is it that pitchers aren't going to be able to ramp up as as much as they normally would because of a shortened spring training? What are you looking at right now that we're stepping into this? Um. The one thing I would like to try to get, and I don't know if MLB even has it yet, is like the full schedule is how they're going to work in all the games. Um, they haven't. They yeah, haven't that's really, what I, we're recording on Friday at one yeah, uh, thirty. Uh, yesterday, they reported they will be releasing the revised schedule. So when that first week of games um, will be released, the only thing that they've announced is to the extent there are scheduled double headers, they will be nine inning double headers, not seven inning double headers. Yeah, so the, that, that's kind of one thing I want to go see is where that's at and how they're kind of working some things in. Um, real early in the offseason, I kind of look at some of the schedule, and now it's looking a little bit better for, like, the Rockies. Initially, they had some huge number of games on the road, which makes sense. Like, you don't want really to be playing baseball in Denver in April. But um, I, I think their schedule now looks a little bit better, but how all that kind of works out, maybe some early season matchups. Um, of course, the DH, we've kind of known that one for a while. Um, the other thing is, is I kind of wonder if a lot of teams, even with their stars, depending on how they're ramped up, if we might get some like six-man rotations for maybe a month, we might only be getting not very many two-start weeks from pitchers. So I think that's one possibility is, and also some pitchers not getting the um, enough innings to get wins. So maybe some... Middle relievers will be still in some um, wins and saves and will be a little bit more important here at the beginning. Um, but more, I just think the main thing is just try to keep up with everything you can. I mean, it's, as, as we record, I mean, the big news right now is Drew Verhagen has <laughs> signed. He's the first guy to sign. What? Do we have, do we have like breaking news uh, drop that we can put in there, Van, to, to, to build <laughs> hype for, for that news? But you know, you know that as we press send on this podcast and post <laughs> exactly. it this afternoon, it's like Carlos Correa and, and Freeman are going to both sign within ten minutes of us uh, of us pressing send on this podcast. Yeah, I, I wonder how long it's like. There's going to be like a date, probably like Monday or so. Like everyone's kind of worked it out here, and it's just like they're figuring it out, and it's, we're just going to get a deluge of it, deluge of it, and going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Uh, the two big things, I mean, we'll, we we will have all of next winter to talk about potential rule changes and the impact of the game, but none of it's happening for 2022. The two big things um, that I saw, the first one is the draft pick compensation for teams whose players finish, uh, whose rookies finish uh, in the rookie of the year, high in the rookie of the year uh, voting as a potential incentive for teams to not play um, playtime manipulation uh, games. And that could impact this season 
guys who rookies who are marginal in terms of making the opening day roster. My gut is that uh, I mean we'll never be able to prove the counterfactual because if player X opens uh, the season on the roster, we'll never know. But for uh, the, the the changes, whether they still would have uh, opened uh, on the roster. But my gut is the type of team that is trying to get game the system and get the extra year of service and saves a save a buck is not going to change their opinion unless it was literally 51 49 because of the draft pick compensation and why because as nice as more draft picks are it also means you're spending more money uh on on signing the draft pick so i'm not sure it's going to make a massive difference but it could push a couple of prospects over the top in terms of opening the season. But I don't think you're suddenly going to see every single potential rookie who's going to make their debut this year is going to be on the opening day roster. I don't think it's a big enough change to eliminate the incentives that are in place for teams to manipulate service time. Do you agree, Jeff? Yeah. I think like the... Like the teams that doesn't really matter with, if they have to bring someone up, like if the Yankees have a rookie that they're like, okay, we need this guy. He's going to come up. We're not going to manipulate it. But if it's like the Indians, they're going to manipulate it. They have, <laughs> that's just what they do. So yeah. And their motivation is money. They'd rather sacrifice half a win uh, or whatever it is to save money. That's what they care about. That's I what's mean, driving them. I mean, the teams didn't want to limit the number of options because I'm sure the owners were tired of, you know, paying for airline flights between Oklahoma City and Los Angeles. It's like, hey, we only got to send five of these every year. You got to figure out another way to do it. You know, it's like, come on. It's like, what's the big deal? And it's so like any way they can save some money. I, I it gave like the players some hope, but it I think it's window dressing. The other thing that was in the CBA that I'll mention really quickly is for AL East players who are not vaccinated, they will mm. not get paid if they do not and cannot come to games in Toronto. And um, there are lots of rumors about players on teams not named the Blue Jays who uh, are not vaccinated. And they play nine games over the course of the season uh, in Toronto, every AL East uh, team. And if you make the assumption that a guy is losing nine games off the bat. So take whatever projection you have in terms of playing time uh, for them, uh, drop nine games. So call it, depending where they bat in the, in the lineup, 35 to 40 plate appearances. It makes a massive difference. I'm looking at one uh, player who's rumored, and I'm not going to repeat the player's name because I, I don't uh, traffic in these kinds of uh, rumors. I had him ranked... Um, before making a change, is the 42nd best hitter uh, in baseball. I dropped all nine games uh, for this player, and he dropped to the 66th best hitter in baseball. Um, that's a real, like 24 spots. Um, that's a really, really material change. Now, the problem, of course, is we have no idea as of today who are the players who will not be able to get into Canada uh, to play. And it's a dangerous game to uh, speculate wildly the way I am. But this is what we kind of do. And it's not some hypothetical of like, maybe this guy's going to get suspended for PEDs. It's like it's binary. Either you are vaccinated and will get in or you're not vaccinated. The only risk is Canada could, of course, change the policy at some point in the next six months. So you need to weigh in the fact that, like, they may miss two of the three series, but could be able to come for the series they have in Toronto in September. Uh, we don't know, but I think it's pretty significant. And that it won't necessarily be relevant to us as fantasy players, but playoff baseball, too. If those guys suddenly we've got a series in Toronto and you're in the playoffs in an important game and you're losing two or three players, that's huge for a team. So uh, and there, there are... It's huge. Uh, it's a great point. It's a big advantage for the Toronto, for the Blue Jays pitching staff if there are some top-notch hitters who they don't have to face, even just in two starts, right? Like those kinds of little edges um, add up uh, to, for for a team. So, And there is nothing the Blue Jays can do. There's nothing Major League Baseball can do. It's the federal government that's either going to change the policy or not change the policy. And I don't want to get into vaccine 
talk, but but just so people know, the U.S. has the same requirement in place. If when I fly to Vegas, I have to prove uh, that I am fully vaccinated to get on a plane to come to the United States. So this is not some bizarro uh, Canadian policy. If you if you disagree with the vaccine, that's that's cool. But understand, both countries uh, have uh, the rules in place. So there you go. A couple other notes I wanted to touch on. Uh, Jeff, you mentioned the Rookie of the Year, or uh, you guys mentioned the Rookie of the Year stuff. One thing I want to point out with that is, of course, Rookie of the Year is voted on by the Baseball Writers Association of America, which, as we all know, doesn't necessarily vote with the best of intentions. So I'm kind of not thrilled about that being uh, basically the arbitrator of who gets this sort of Rookie of the Year bonus full service time stuff. So not a fan of that. And let's see, postseason expansion, we're going up to 12 teams, so maybe that means towards the end of the season we see more teams in it. Of course, we'll see more teams in it, so maybe there's a little more, a little less activity at the, at the trade deadline or more activity. Anyway, that's something we'll touch on when we get there. And then the last thing I wanted to mention is that they are allowing advertising patches on jerseys and helmets. And I don't know if that takes place this year, but uh, if that money goes to players, I'm all for it. But I'm kind of afraid that teams are going to start doing it and getting more money. I don't know the details. Uh, hey, we'll hey guys, maybe we should take the, the Launch Angle podcast advertising <laughs> budget, call the Tampa Rays and see if we can get a patch on their uh, on their jersey. I'm on it. I would love to do that. <laughs> all right. That's all I've got for that. Unless you guys have any other t- things you want to touch on with the CBA, we'll get right into the ADP analysis. What do you think? Yeah, you know, people are clamoring to hear who's who we who we like and pick three ten. So That's let's right. uh, let's let's dive right in. Let's do it. And in fact, we're going with pick two ninety right out of the gate. It's a player that we almost discussed last time, and he's uh, risen a little bit. It's Jamison Tyon, and of course, Tyon with the Yankees has overcome two Tommy John surgeries. He just had ankle surgery in the off season. Last year for the Yankees, 29 starts, 144 and a third innings, 4.3 ERA, less than a strikeout in an inning, but good walk rates. Jeff, what do you think? Do you think Tyon is a, a nice little pickup here? Do you think there's uh, more 2018 in him than we've seen recently? What do you expect to see? I think it's kind of seeing what we're getting. Um, there's a few times he's had his ERA a little bit lower, and it's mainly um, getting the home runs a little bit under control, like around the th- you know, in the low threes, but normally he's around a four ERA. His career is three, eight, two every year. His strikeout rate has, um, let me see. It's ranged from 7.2 to 8.7 and his walk rates from 1.5 to actually one year is up to three, one, but he's kind of just been generally the same pitcher. It's kind of just, uh, I don't know if there's like this upside everyone was hoping for. I mean, he's almost ready to turn 30. I think he's just kind of a steady um, ad you put in here with the Yankees and probably use him like 75% of the time. Maybe there's, you know, when Toronto comes to town, you might hopefully you can find someone else to stick in. But I don't think there's, it's like an upside play more than just uh, you see what you get and, you know, hopefully you just kind of miss the bad starts. It, he's he really is interesting because I th- still close my eyes when I if say the name Jamison Tyon, um, I think of this like super pitching prospect who's had really unfortunate health uh, outcomes. So like if I did no research on Tyon and you just were like give instant reactions uh, about Tyon. My my instant reaction, without looking deeper at him, is well, boy, if he could just stay healthy, then then, then maybe this is the season that Tyon finally puts it all uh, together. He, he, this he should be able to stay healthy all year. Um, when you actually look at Jamison Tyon and, and take the name out and like the hype out, he's like a poor man's I don't know like Marcus Stroman I guess he's not as extreme Ram ball but like for a starting pitcher in the year 2022 his strikeout rate is below average um his control is fine he's he really the home run issues um came last year but he's he's still pitching in Yankee Stadium he's still pitching in the AL East so what I worry about is that because I agree with Jeff, it's like boy, an interesting uh, upside play in the twentieth round. That's that's not a bad thing on a good team. So the wins should be uh, be there. 
I'm not sure how much upside there really is, though, with Jamison Tyon, even if he is healthy for an entire season. And to be clear, he made 29 starts last year. So it's not as if um, it's not as if he was James Paxton or Corey Kluber or something like he was pretty healthy uh, last year. You know, and he pitched 144 innings in those 29 starts. But, but welcome to, to modern baseball. But I'm just not sold that there is upside. I think he is uh, just as likely a league average-ish uh, starting pitcher on a good team. That ain't nothing, but that's not my bias about him, if that makes sense. I think it makes total sense. And keep in mind, because of that bias, he it was him and Garrett Cole at a time who were going to be the elite starting pitchers coming up for the Pirates. Obviously, we know what happened with Cole. We know what happened with Tyon, and Tyon has dealt with so much adversity, and I think it's awesome he's doing what he's doing, but no, I completely get it because I still have that same thought, like, wow, this guy, he might be the ace this year, but that just doesn't seem to be in the cards. So let's skip ahead a lot, eight players, in fact, to pick 299 because we talked to all the other players. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa is coming up, and he's been a bit of a hot topic at times this offseason. Of course, with the Rangers last year, he managed to put up eight homers, 20 steals, 271, 312, 357. A lot of that came early on, though, Rob. What do you think of Falefa? Is he a a player you would pick at this spot if you need versatility or stolen bases? Hey, Rob, you probably want to open up Roto-Wire's news on him before you go Oh, no. What, what, what's the news? <laughs> Basically, they gave him the third base job, if that makes sense. Okay. Oh. Woodward um, came out and gave him the third base job. Uh, we can keep recording as if, uh, as if uh, this, is, this is just how we, we do things here. Uh, I think I feel like we talked uh, about him a little bit when, um, when the, the injury news uh, came out uh, a few weeks ago. Oh, with um, Jung. Yeah. Uh, with Jung. Um, so. I don't think he will be the opening day third baseman. And if he is the opening uh, day third baseman, it's almost entirely for his glove, not for his bat. Um, he, he was unplayable in any format other than maybe the deepest of AL only leagues for basically two thirds of last season. And I'm not sure why that changes. I think if the, if opening day were today and they have their current uh, roster, I'd rather take a chance on Andy Ibanez uh, than uh, Kiner Falafa. Um, but I think he's a good defensive player, so he may get playing time. But sweet Jesus, you should be able to do better uh, than him in any format. And there are still good players available right now. We're going to talk about some really interesting players. Uh, he's just not one of them for me. He was <laughs> so last year he had 677 plate appearances and he had fewer than 130 runs plus RBIs. Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> yeah, the, the last players that were able to achieve this 2016, I'll see Escobar pulled it off. Oh, the man himself. Yeah, Nick Markakis the year before that. You mean Washington Nationals <laughs> starting player, LCD's Escobar, please. Respect. Uh, was, uh, was Andrews, you know, pulled it off once. Nori Aoke, Starling Castro, Alexi Ramirez. You know, you know what? All, you know what all of these players, Jeff, have in common? They're no longer in baseball except for LCD's <laughs> Escobar. So, so yeah, just like just to pull off that feat of just like you know, we're gonna we're gonna let you come to bat six hundred and seventy seven times, and that's all you could do. I guess if you need the speed and he's playing every day, I kind of see him as one as someone I would like to have on like my bench is like, okay, if someone gets hurt and maybe he'll get back to the dual qualifications, you can put him in. Um, But otherwise I'm sure someone's going to take him. They'll see the speed. They'll see that he's starting now, but my God, if Texas really wants to try to improve, he's just not the answer. And, you know, at the top of this, I referred to him as uh, versatile. That's not the case anymore. It only applies at shortstop coming into the season. So if, if, if he was going to play catcher once a week, then maybe I'd be willing to take a chance on him. Yeah, that as makes a, a, as a catcher. He, as a catcher, he's a perfectly cromulent hitter. Uh, problem is he's never going to play catcher again in his career. Nope. And we're up to pick 300. It's Luis Arias. Now, I didn't have any shares of Arias last year, so I didn't have a slight clue what the man did. However, based on his profile, I could have completely guessed that he did exactly what everyone expected. He had 294, 357, 376 with two homers and two steals, 
479 plate appearances. So, Jeff, you're just buying a batting average at this point, right? Is there upside? What do you see here with Arias? It's just batting average. And I kind of wonder, um, we, you took this from draft champions, right? Yes. Yeah, I kind of think that he, he's just going to fall when it, like if someone's like, they actually want him on their team. Like they're not going to want the versatility. They're not going to want the, you know, the kind of at bats. So I think it's just like, no, I got to find someone else besides him there. He does kind of find um, the same as Isaiah, where it's like, he might be someone that you put at the end of your bench, you know, or, or and then if you you know you can kind of fill him in that he just is that one person that can get you some at bats and he won't kill you with batting average. But if you're starting Luis Rise, you're screwing up. Quit it. Find some real baseball player or someone that can hit. I mean, God, he's just horrible. Has he ever got an ISO? Oh, he did one year, one hundred four, an ISO over one hundred. It's just, just not good. Yeah, he's he's if if you missed out on Nick Mandrigal, but really wanted the uh, the empty batting average with no speed and absolutely no power, then this is your fallback uh, position after you missed on Mandrigal. Um, I I he he is a very useful real life baseball player for the Twins because what he uh, does isn't just an empty. Uh, batting average he also walks a fair bit so his his obp is 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 strong like it's top 25 top 30 uh in the league and if he hits at the top of the twins order he could turn himself into a two category guy batting average and runs but he is such a zero on the power and the speed side of things that um Try to do better than this. And is there a certain roster build where Arias like fits in and boosts your batting average and you have both enough power and enough speed? There might be, but this is the Madrigal problem. There are 14 other teams who don't have that roster build. And and are you really going into the draft thinking this is how I want to put the pieces together? Uh, I'm not. So he's a really good player. He will add lots of value. Like he's a two to three win player for the Twins. So like he's 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 not a useless player by any stretch in real baseball, but he's a pretty useless uh, fantasy player. Uh, other than that, that really sweet batting average. It's not just won't hurt you. He will help you. He will have he he is a legit three hundred type hitter. You sounded like a very disappointed parent. Do better than Luis Arias. We should. So you should. Let's, you should try harder. Let's see if the next player is a little bit better. Actually, his news is looking a little bit up. It's pick 301, Rowan Wick. Cody Hewer with the Cubs has undergone Tommy John surgery, so maybe Wick's hold on the closer role is a little bit more than it once was. 23 innings last year, five saves, 11.35 K per nine, 5.48 walks per nine, and a 4.30 ERA. What do you think, Rob? Is this a guy you'd take a shot on if you want the Cubs closer? Um... The cl- Cubs are really bad, but but closers on bad teams still have value. Um, I'm not sure how much worse Wick is as a pick than closers we talked about in late January. Um, I I mean I'm, I'm looking at, uh, at at our good friends at Roster Resources depth chart uh, for the Cubs bullpen. And it's a bunch of guys I've never heard of before. doesn't mean that one of them doesn't uh, emerge. Um, it's, I, I'm going to go on a limb and say the Cubs aren't trading for Craig Kimbrell uh, this, uh, in the next couple of days, and they're not signing Kenley Jansen. So, like, are they uh, Ian Ken- – we're going to talk about Ian Kennedy. Um, how much better do I feel about Ian Kennedy on the Cubs than Rowan Wick on the Cubs? I'm not sure I feel any better. So – like, is is Rowan Wick great? No, but like twenty five saves from him. People are using like tenth, eleventh, twelfth round picks on guys who are basically like this. So I'm I'm not going to say yes. This is amazing if you're getting Rowan Wick here, but at least it's at least especially in Fab leagues as we transition to Fab leagues. If you're wrong about Rowan Wick, you're going to cut your twenty twenty first twenty second picks. Almost certainly. So what's the difference if you cut Rowan Wick or you cut somebody else? So no, I have no problem with Rowan Wick's ADP here if you need a closer right now. Yeah, I kind of think this will go up with, with the um, his ADP will. 
Um, he'll go earlier since there's just no one there. And easily they could sign someone too. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Cubs, Michael Givens maybe, he might even become the best um, reliever in that bullpen. But is there that much difference between him and like talent-wise and him and Gregory Soto? That's what I. That, that's my point. I, I didn't want to pick on poor Gregory Soto. We were so mean to him <laughs> but, but, when we talked about him with- seventeen issue, episodes ago. But yes, I put those two names in a hat, and I would pick the name out of the hat. So by definition, I'll take the guy who's going over a hundred picks later, and doesn't have like a great backup sitting behind him in Fulmer. Like Fulmer is a better pitcher than Soto is, and there's just no one in this Cubs, you know, bullpen that's pushing Wick. Um, I kind of thought it was a toss up. It was fifty fifty with him and here. And I actually thought her might've been the better pitcher. Um, so now it's like, like I said, I don't, without them adding someone, which is an entire possibility, he should be, can, him and Soto should be being drafted back to back. I mean, it's the same situation and I don't, I think Soto should go down and Wick should go up, but that's just kind of where I stand on it. But we'll see what happens in here about a week. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of bullpens, um, a lot of stuff up in the air. Pick 302, we're heading back to San Francisco with Lamonte Wade Jr. Last year, he managed to accrue 381 plate appearances, hit 18 home runs, stole six bases, 52 runs, 56 RBI, and a 253, 326, 482 slash line. So pretty good for a guy that was largely just considered a bench bat. What do you think, Jeff? Is there something to see here, or are people buying last year's production at this price? Wade is a platoon bat. His, even though he hasn't had that many play appearances, if you go through his minor league numbers, they were still also bad. So far in his career, he has a 350 OPS against lefties. Not really that good. And that's not OBP, by the way. That's OPS. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And then 835 against um, righties. He can hit righties. He's, he may be someone you can keep on your bench and stream and try to get those good weeks in. But one, the West, as of now, the NOS is loaded with lefties. So there's a good chance he's only playing like three games a week. Um, the other thing is, is he does get um, platooned a lot late in the game. If someone brings in a lefty, he gets pulled out. He comes in as a pinch hitter too. So some of those games when he wasn't playing, he, got 30 games as a pinch hitter last year. So there was, you know, times when he has an option, but you really just have to look at the weekly schedule up ahead. Um, last year, um, he had a great, I remember one time I saw he had a great week up, rostered him, he did great. And like everyone and their mother went and added him. And I was like one of the few teams that dropped him because he had like four lefties coming up and he just doesn't play. So they're running a strict platoon with him. There's a reason they're doing it. Just consider him a platoon bat, and if you can't, don't have the roster spots to add him on and off, he's probably someone you don't want to handle. Or if you don't want to move him on and off, you know, depending on it, just too much work. And, you know, some people like to have an easier team, just not someone to roster. Uh, it's everything Jeff said. Uh, the only way I draft Wade is, uh, and I haven't done this yet, and I apologize to our uh, our devoted listeners, is if the first week of the season, the Giants line up to face seven right-handed pitchers in that first week, which, as Jeff says, in the NL West would be unusual, but it's possible. Like, I have no idea who they're uh, now opening uh, up for uh, or with. Uh, If in that first week, they're having nothing but righties, he's a great play for that first week because he will play seven times if they uh, face uh, uh, seven righties. But, But... just understand that's who you're drafting is a guy you will be uh, using sparingly, will be putting onto the waiver wire and then trying to pick back up all season. And uh, so if he's a 26th round pick, I think you can draft him for one week. I don't want to try to draft a guy like that um, this early, but like Rasball's uh, version of Steamer, um, has him projected against right-handed pitchers with a 746 OPS. It's not amazing, but pretty darn good. Against left-handed pitchers, a 639 OPS, which it would make him the worst hitter in baseball if they played him. They won't play him because they're a smart team. They don't want to expose him to situations where he can't hit. They only want to expose him to situations where he can do well. 
Great for daily leagues. If you are in a daily transaction league where you can move guys up and down every single day based on uh, who they're facing that day, he is way more valuable than this. Let's go ahead and take our break here, and then we'll come back and discuss more players via ADP. Leftovers. Or the DMV. Number 97. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Montgomery County, Maryland is where businesses go to be next. Home to a highly skilled, diverse workforce, a thriving business community, competitive incentives, and more. MoCo will help transform your business. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com to see how we can help you be next. Next up at pick 303, we have another reliever, and this is one who assuredly doesn't have a firm grasp on a closer role because it's Devin Williams, who is teammates with Josh Hader. So, Rob, where do you first? What do you think of Williams? Clearly, he's a guy that's going to get you good numbers regardless of whether or not he got saves, but would you take him at this spot in a draft if you're looking to fill a relief pitcher spot or just as another pitcher? No, I'd like... It's like there were rumors of Milwaukee trading Hater three years ago, and they just won't go away. <laughs> I have no reason to believe whatsoever that Hater has any chance of being uh, traded. And I think Milwaukee is by far the best team in the NL Central, even with their very flawed lineup uh, this year. So they love having Hater and uh, Williams. Williams is, of course, a very good relief pitcher, very useful uh, to uh, Milwaukee in his own right, uh, very useful to fantasy teams in his own right. But we all know this. You try to find next year's uh, uh, Williams. You don't pay for last year's uh, Williams. It's just not a great investment. So I like the pitcher. I like the talent. If Hader went down, he would obviously quickly be one of the best uh, closers in baseball, but I just don't like spending um, draft picks on them. You find them in fab based on the first couple of weeks. You read a Jeff Zimmerman column who identifies, you know, three early breakout relief pitchers uh, and you, you pick up the guy for free uh, early in the season. Yeah, the, I'm just not drafting him. There's starters that I want to take a chance on. Um, I just did the full 15 team league. There's guys that I'm like, well, he could be still be good. Like I'm interested to see how they go the first two or three weeks. And it's so hard to find starters. I'm not adding a middle reliever in the draft. The one thing I will say is if you're looking for wins, even with a lot of these like really good ones, like uh, Chad green, he had close to almost double digit wins. And um, Williams had eight last year. Like some of these guys, like since the starters aren't going as long that they kind of get in that, a lot of these middle guys are starting to get the wins and it's um definitely interesting to like, I don't have a problem once the season's going on adding one, but initially you've got to try to find those starters that you can move in and out of your rotation. And um, a month in, I'll start moving over to middle relievers. Did we talk Molina when we lumped catchers in last time? I, I don't remember, did. but why don't we lump all the, the – there's like uh, four, four close, uh, catchers coming up. Why don't we just do, talk about them all? Yeah, let me mark him here. Jansen, Molina, Joey Bart, and McCann. Okay. You could also go one more if you want to. Oh, uh, Haas, yeah. Okay. Haas, Haas, I don't know what it is. Okay. Next up, a pick 304. We have a catcher, Yadier Molina, and we have a handful of them on the list today, so let's just lump them all together and discuss them as a whole. Yadier Molina's pick 304. Danny Jansen is pick 308 with Toronto, of course. Joey Bart, former top prospect, pick 310 with San Francisco. James McCann, now with the Mets at pick 315. And Eric Haas with the Tigers is pick 318. I think we're to Rob first. What do you think of this group of catchers? Who would you take if you were looking to grab one? Uh, I think that for the most part, these are catchers who will not kill you and are worth um, potentially not waiting for the end game, which I may have said last podcast we did like this is the cutoff if you don't go now then just take free catchers these guys for the most part are a little bit better for most of them 
uh, than um, than just taking whoever whoever's left at the end or or basically for free. Uh, Molina is what he is at this point, but his batting average isn't going to kill you. And as as Jeff and I have talked about, uh, seemingly ad, ad nauseum uh, this winter catchers whose batting average doesn't kill you is worth more than nothing. Uh, Danny Jansen was quite good uh, after being starting the season as the worst hitter in baseball, more or less, uh, was 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 cromulent uh, the rest of the year. Is that the second time I've used cromulent this podcast? It's probably two times too many. And the only the other guy I wanted to talk about is Joey Bart. Um, I talked about this early in the offseason. If you believe that the Giants have some voodoo hitter magic, and part of most of that's platooning, but you know they have the the special pitching machine that they use for batting practice, and they're a very smart organization now. I don't think it's crazy that Joey Bart is a post uh, post hype sleeper that literally nobody is talking about. The projections don't like him for very good reasons. He's been horrendous. Um, but with Buster Posey's um, retirement, he, he, I think he's—I think he's going to get pretty good playing time. And I—I I don't have strong analytical reasons for this, but I don't think it's crazy that by the end of the year he's a top ten or top twelve hitting catcher um, for this season. So I'm not like going into draft saying I must get Joey Bart, but. I don't think it's crazy that he does well, and he's not left-handed. Uh, he's right, actually a right-handed hitter, so that helps him, given everybody else in that lineup is left-handed. Yeah, I was actually going to kind of stole my thunder there with Bart. Like, if I get down here... No, I was just like, if you're going to just take a chance, like, some of these other guys are going to end up back on the wire, and might as well just take the upside with him. Like, he's hit in AAA. He just hasn't in the majors. Maybe they still have him working with the pitchers. Maybe there's something wrong, but I mean, McCann isn't going to have any upside. Molina's not going to. Haas may have some power. The one thing to watch with him is how the kind of the played it, how his playing time works out. I think Barnhart's going to get. He's always kind of gotten a ton of that um, playing time or you know of games. So Haas may only end up with a quarter, maybe even the less of the start. So it's how often he's getting in the outfield. So he's one that. I could see move up. It's just the playing time right now. It's just up in the air, but McCann's not going to break out. Like I said, I think Bart's your one chance to kind of hit a home run out of this group. And if not, you just go back and pick up one of the other ones. Um, So no, I like the idea of just grabbing Bart. If you've gotten to this stage and then um, if it doesn't work out, then stream them for a while and just try to find that this season's breakout. There you go. Catcher talk. Let's move on to pick 305. It's Kyle Lewis, the once top prospect with horrible knee injuries. Oh, that hits so close to my heart. He's now 26 years old, 147 plate appearances last year, five homers, two steals. What do you think of Lewis coming into this year? I know the news came out from DePoto that Lewis is supposedly so healthy that he could play center field, which is a bad idea. But what do you think here with Lewis? I think he's he's someone that... I guess I would take a chance on, but I'm not sure what his upside's actually going to be. Um, maybe it's 25 home runs with 10 steals with a 250 average. Maybe. I I don't know. It's He seems to be kind of more of like a plug-in. It's not someone I'm hoping for a ton of upside from. I, I guess, I mean, he's is still young, um, but with the knee injury kind of worries me. And also that, the outfield in with the Mariners, they kind of have like one too many players already, and they're trying to add. There's talk of them adding others like Suzuki to the team. So unless they trade someone off, I don't know how it's going to work out. I mean, Lewis should have one of the spots. Haniger, if they let him still out there, Fraley, is Klinik going to finally start playing? Um, there's other options like Dylan Moore can play in the outfield too if they have to. So. Julio Hall Rodriguez is coming up. It's kind of a loaded outfield, so I'm kind of worried that he's just going to end up with like fewer than like 500 plate appearances, and it's just like the counting stats aren't going to be there unless he just really just like takes off. So if it comes down to it, maybe I'll add him. I think I want to take a chance on some uh, even bats that are going later than him that I think might just end up with a full-time um, job. It's just – yeah, playing time's more of the issue with me than anything else. Um, 
he, the, the worst thing that's happened to Kyle Lewis is the whole rookie of the year bonus wasn't in place in 2020 because I think that may have been the high point of his career between the injuries and I'm just not sure how good Kyle Lewis is he's he's very much a poster boy for Jeff uh, and Tanner's uh, you know 700 OPS uh, odds uh, projection he was projected last year I think for like a 720 OPS and uh, again there were injuries obviously but uh, he's not, just not not that good uh, so um, if the Mariners hope to compete and it sure seems like Jerry Depoto wants to compete this year uh, whether it's through a high profile signing and there are a lot of good outfielders still available or uh, bringing up uh, their their uber stud next rookie um, I think there is way more downside uh, than upside with Kyle Lewis. Because what's the best season for Kyle Lewis? He's a moderate power, mediocre batting average, very little speed guy. So I'm not even sure the upside is all that interesting. And the downside is he's just not playing. There you go, Kyle Lewis. Next up, 306, we've got Tyler Megill. And Megill, of course, is with the Mets last year, 89 and two-thirds innings. Good strikeout numbers, 9.94K per nine, 2.71 walks per nine, but a 4.52 ERA. Rob, do you think he's got a full-time job this year? What do the numbers look like? Would you be interested in taking a flyer on him? Yes, he is one of the best uh, starting pitcher uh, gambles you can make uh, in the draft uh, right now. I almost hope that the Mets sign or trade for another starting pitcher so that it looks even more as if he does not have uh, a starting job uh, to keep his val- his cost down. But even if that's the case, and as of today, obviously, he's he's penciled in as their fifth starter, it's like all you're then making a bet on is Jacob DeGrom gets hurt, Max Scherzer gets hurt, Carlos Carrasco gets hurt, uh, Taiwan Walker gets hurt, all, or they use a six-man rotation. Uh, any of those are pretty good bets that just one of those things happen. So even if they add another starting pitcher, I really like Tyler McGill. I think the stuff is legit. I think he could be, it's it's a great ballpark to uh, pitch in. The lineup's pretty good. Uh, defense is meh. But there's way more than enough, as my as my friend Matt Modica calls him, the baby goat. Uh, there is way more upside uh, with the baby goat than there is downside. Uh, so uh, he is the type of guy I think you should be taking uh, risks on at this point of the draft. Uh, I could see him going earlier also as we go live with drafts uh, quite easily. Yeah, I'm, I'm all in. I've proved that my last two auctions or my last auction and draft already. So um, the ERA, I love that it's up at the four or five, just scaring people away. You know, that's it's beautiful. Let's keep it there. It's got three, got a 95 mile an hour fastball. He's got two breaking balls with above average swinging strike rates. Um, actually kind of generates some nice weak contact. A lot of stuff's either like pop-ups or on the ground. Um, if you're looking for this year's web, this, it's him. It's that simple. That's The one issue, like they said, there may be a week or two here where he doesn't have a job or things are a little bit iffy and um, you might be having to take a zero, but if you're, I'd rather take a chance on him than some other rookie. Like, you know, he's going to be the next one up. Like, you don't know if some rookie's going to get the chance or not. I almost positive McGill's going to be like, if he's not in a five man rotation, he'll be the next person in. And I, and, and I think that the Mets don't like service manipulate him for money. It's if they, if they need to keep him lengthened out, I could see them leaving him behind in spring training, depending on off days, like that kind of thing. But I think they will use him this year. He's too good an arm not to use. Yeah. This- yeah, like I said, um, yeah. If someone wants to be like, oh, I'm going to take a rookie chance. I'm going to take a McGill chance. You know, yeah. Like, like as com- as compared to the next guy, like we're t- going to talk about Christian Javier uh, next. Javier, I also really like, but there's a there's a good chance that Javier spends half the season out of the bullpen, and that's not what you're uh, paying for. Whereas with McGill, I I don't think that's really that's a perceived risk. I don't think it's a real risk. Yeah, McGill's got options so he can actually go down and, you know, they can keep him in the ro- as a rotation spot in the minors. And when you're analyzing prospects, pitching prospects, you can almost always copy-paste this sentence, which is, 
if he develops the changeup, he could become a really good piece of uh, a starting pitcher. And that's exactly what McGill has done. The changeup has finally developed to where it's at least an average pitch, which it was not in the minors. And that really stands to really benefit him a lot because the slider is also a really good pitch. So he has a full arsenal. I like him as a pitcher. And you mentioned Christian Javier. He's picked 307, Rob. He did exactly what you said. He shuffled between starting and the bullpen last year, put up 101 in the third innings for Houston, 11.55 K per nine, 471 walks per nine, and a 3.55 ERA. So what do you overall think of Javier's chances of putting up, I don't know, a starter's workload this year? Um, I think that it's baseball seasons are a long season and things happen and things work out. Uh, the news on Lance McCullers, um, <clears throat> it creates the opening. So if you assume that McCullers is um, a mess and you assume that the Astros, to the extent they make it a, a big move uh, from here until opening day, are far more likely to bring in a shortstop or a center fielder than they are another starting pitcher. So they don't sign Granky. They don't they don't bring in one of the other arms that are out there. Then that's Javier's opening. And I think Javier, despite the walk problem, which has been a problem, <laughs> it is a problem, is, uh, is talented enough to run with it. Um, but they have a lot of arms in Houston, and I'm not sure they want Javier to run with the starting job. So I, I, I don't at this point in the draft, he's a, a, a he's not a bad like upside downside uh, bet. If you're wrong, if he's just in in middle relief purgatory, you cut him in in redraft leagues. Um, and and he could be a very good starting pitcher. The strikeout numbers are good enough and elite enough that I think he could be. A very useful starting pitcher. He may hurt your whip a little bit. Um, but there is risk there in a way that I don't see with McGill. So I certainly, them going back to back, I would take the first one 100 times out of 100 over Javier. But that doesn't mean I wouldn't take Javier. Yeah, Javier, a lot of people just higher on him than I am. Um, they kind of see that upside. It's like the strikeouts. The one thing he did able to like, as a starter, like kind of get the, his walks a little bit more under control. They're down to three, nine instead of as a reliever, they were five, five. So he actually looked a little bit better as a starter. They threw about the same number of innings in both. I think as a reliever, or if he's coming into the season and I have to kind of consider him as one, I think I'm going to try to take some other chances on some other guys. But like, as Rob said, depending on who else gets moved up and what the options are, I could see, I'm guessing he's going to end up being in my top 150 pitchers. Like I'll probably come with a list of that or 160 when it comes into doing a draft for a 15 team league. And if it just gets to the point where he's the top guy and he's still available, I'll just have to, you know, I'll, I'll roster him. I think that's just one of those deals where as of right now, it's probably some guys even going later with him that I like a lot more. We hit on him earlier, but Ian Kennedy is up next to pick 309. Currently without a team. Ah, Fangraphs isn't loading. What was he? Texas and Philadelphia last year, I think. 56 in the third innings, 9.91K per nine, 2.72 walks per nine, 3.20 ERA, and 26 saves, Jeff. He doesn't have a team, obviously, but do you think there's somebody who will sign him to be the closer? Would you take that risk on a guy at this point in a draft? If this is the end of it, like a 12-teamer, yeah. Um, I guess you're, we're getting close to being the end of it at a 12 team draft. 360 would be it. I think that's fine having two shots. And if you miss, then you drop them and you move on. And if you don't have closers early, you should be taking some darts here. So no, I think this is fine for him. If it's like a 15 teamer, I may even wait to take on some of the other darts if people haven't signed. But hopefully within like, God, I hope within a week, a lot of these guys have signed, and we just kind of know what the situation is going to be. But if you're, you know, got a draft going on right now, I, 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 he could easily just end up with a job or he could end up being like, even like a fourth arm in some other bullpen. Like someone just needs him that much. We just don't know right now. I think that's right. And the question is, and it's, it's possible. Like, I mean, here's the thing is by the time I start doing drafts in Vegas in, uh, in whatever, uh, 11 days, if Kennedy hasn't signed, and that means he hasn't made a pitch at spring training yet, then I think I'd drop him down. 
if he does sign and it's a clear, he's clearly now the closer. It's a team with a really messy bullpen. And the day that he signs, the manager says Ian Kennedy will be our uh, closer. Then he obviously dumps a fair bit. And it's not that Ian Kennedy is great, but he's certainly good enough to, to keep a job uh, all season. He showed that in 2019 with the Royals. He showed it for the most part last year with Texas and uh, Philadelphia. Um, so... The only, the only really tricky scenario is if he signs and it's a team where it's ambiguous whether he gets the saves or not. Where it's, like with the Cubs? Not, yeah, where he's not clearly better. He could be a very useful setup man. He's not going to get a huge contract, I don't think. So a team could sign him to be the setup man. At that point, it's like, geez, what the hell do I do with him? So we'll see. I mean, he's one of the players that obviously from a fantasy perspective, the next week his value could shoot up or he's not drafted anymore. Next up at pick 310 was Joey Bart. We just discussed him. So let's go to 311, Eric Lauer. Lauer with the Brewers, is right-handed starting pitcher. More of an Arsenal kind of guy than a blow-it-past-you kind of guy. 118 and two-thirds innings last year. About a strikeout per inning, 3.11 walk per nine, and a 3.19 ERA. Rob, what do you see with Lauer here? Is this someone you take a shot on? Uh, I'm really curious what Jeff thinks about him. Um, The people who... Love there, there, there are Lauer fans out there, and there are people who just love Eric Lauer. And I understand why they uh, uh, like him. Um, you know, he had a bit of a breakout last season. He's certainly not awful, but boy, the the margin between him being a streaming pitcher and being a guy you just leave in your lineup uh, for six months. Um, is a very um, a very fine line, and I know you can say that about a lot of guys. Um, but I would much, much rather like it's not even close. Uh, McGill or Lauer, like the, these guys, should not be going uh, within five rounds of each other, within eight rounds uh, of each other, so that they are going like four picks uh, between each other. Uh, that this is not so much a comment on Lauer, but like that that, that, that ain't right. There, there's something wrong uh, there. So I can be convinced that Lauer is going to build on last season and continue to break out further. Um, I don't believe that though, as of today. But other smart people do. It's the ERA. People still draft off of it. They might not say they are, but everyone sees that three nineteen ERA. Um, <sighs> The other thing is there is um, a segment that really believes that people can limit hard contact. And I think that they're thinking that's part of what he does. And um, just a 249 BABIP isn't going to maintain his freaking home home run rate of 1.2 with like such a low ground ball rate. He was just kind of lucky. If you look at his career numbers, they've all, he hasn't been that different from year to year. He had a really bad 2020. Um, with the walks, but otherwise everything's right in line. And he has an ERA over like round four, three. I think that's the pitcher he is. There's, he has last year. He only had one pitch that was sort of average his slider. Um, his fastballs maybe a little bit better than that, but he has no real like breaking ball pitch. I mean, if you're relying on your fastball to kind of get the swings and misses, I guess that's okay. Um, Kind of reminds me of just Jamison Tyon. Like he's probably fine. You'll use him, stream him, maybe two thirds of the time. But I think during the draft, there's um, I just maybe you just want a little bit more upside. Like he's kind of a nice fall in Wade Miley type, possibly. Um, but I, I just don't know what. Except he doesn't pitch the volume to be a Wade Miley type. Like if you're picking yeah, Wade Miley, you want you want you you know you want bulk. He doesn't give you bulk. Uh, yeah, if you if you just if you just take you're you're so right, Jeff. If you took a black marker and just covered up the three nineteen and had everything else uh, on his Fangraphs page, you you wouldn't be drafting this guy at all. And when you dive deeper, I I can see the things that the people who love Lauer and think there's a big breakout coming uh, see, but I see way more mediocrity and and, and worse than mediocrity than that if you just cross out the 319. 
an ERA, as we know, is like it's a terrible indicator in terms of it's a terrible predictor for next year's ERA. Like that's not what you should be predicting ERA off of is last year's ERA. If you do, you're going to be wrong way more than you're right. Well, I I actually wrote it for the book. It's not going to come out in an article. But if you – if something like all the breakouts from last year, Webb, everyone that like broke out, their ERA was something like nine in 2020. So if you want to find a breakout, you have to ignore ERA. And people just don't. And that's just – they're looking at like they think that ERA is going to repeat and it's just – it's the most unrepeatable thing. You should – if you ever analyze a pitcher, just completely ignore the ERA and you'll just do 10 times better. People are – it is so hard to convince people that that is true. It is It is almost impossible. Even people who intellectually know it's true, it is so hard to convince people about why ERA – we use ERA, we care about ERA, um, but don't use ERA as an argument for next year's projections. It's in the bank uh, right now. People know that about wins, but they don't – and they'll accept it about wins now. <clears throat> they will not accept it about ERA. It's so hard. I want to do one more player, so let's power through this guy real quick. I'm curious to see what you guys think. It's Steven Strasburg at pick 312. Now, 2019 is a long ways away based on what we've seen out of Strasburg the past couple of years, but obviously at one point was a big-time ace. Rob had neck surgery through 21 and two-thirds innings last year. What do you think? Would you take a flyer on Strasburg here? Not even, no, no. I, I would not, and... <clears throat> there's nothing he's one of the guys there's nothing he could do in spring training that would con- <clears throat> convince me uh to take a risk on him he i just don't believe he is healthy i don't believe he will be healthy again it's too bad it's a great example of how fleeting both pitching and life is uh but you he needs to two things need to come together he needs well three things he needs to be healthy be healthy enough to be effective and then stay healthy for some length of time to be worth me taking him on his team. I don't believe, I think there's like a 20%, a 15% chance of number one, which means like a 10% chance of number two that he's healthy and effective. And then that it lasts for more than a couple of months. I'm into single digits. So I would love to be wrong. I would love for there to be a Steven Strasburg uh, comeback uh, season, but I don't think that it is a very good probabilistic bet to bet that he is healthy and effective um, because um, that's just how, yeah, for a bunch of reasons that are all pretty obvious. Yeah, maybe I have a little bit more optimism, but it's just basically like if he's not thrown hard, I'm out. Like he needs to be back up to throw 94. I also believe he needs to be thrown on the, like, in a game. Like they can't be like, Oh, we're going to be on the backfields and babying him and letting him know what's going on. And if he's on the backfields, like I said, I'm off also. And he has to be not walking the world. That was um, just had no control last year. So like I said, if he's throwing hard and getting um, not walking everyone, I think he'll be fine. And if it's at the end of your draft, like I said, like a 12 teamer, that's kind of at the end of this here is, I think that's fine. You drop him, you can move on if things aren't working out, if those other requirements are met once he gets hurt. But I think in a 15, no, I, like I said, he has to be someone I'm willing to drop. And after Strasburg, um, there's other guys I like. So I'll just, I would wait. But I think there's a chance if he's throwing hard and throwing strikes, you know, not walking everyone, that you could use him for four or five games. And then once he gets hurt, you can dump him and move on. I'm not I'm not a doctor. I know everybody hates when people pretend to be doctors, but when you when you keep getting tingling sensations in the extremities of your fingers when you're trying to pitch, I'm just not sure that resting for 6 months makes that go away. That's a, that just strikes me as an ignorant know nothing as a br- really bad thing that is more serious than just let's let's rest for a bit and see how this goes. Uh, when you're when, when you literally can't hold the baseball because your your fingers are tingling, start after start after start. My only question, and it's a quick one, is who in the hell took Steven Strasburg with pick two thirty eight? That's his minimum pick. So Vlad Sedler made a jokey comment apparently on his uh, podcast about Strasburg, 
and somebody took the joke seriously. I'm not going to name who the person is. I think that, and and then realized right after the draft when somebody pointed out like, "What the hell are you doing?" and and uh, people were like, "You know, it was a joke. Like it was clearly <laughs> a joke." Uh, and I, I I don't know that, but my guess is that may have been what happened here because yeah, two thirty eight is pretty early for Strasburg. Crazy. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. With a CBA in place and the season approaching, we're going to shift gears as we go forward. We'll see what topics we cover, but this is probably our swan song for ADP. If there's anyone we missed or somebody later you want to us to talk about, send us a message on Twitter. Send us a, an email at butuinc at gmail.com, B-O-O-T-U, and we'll talk about them. But for Rob and Jeff, I'm Van Lee, and we'll catch you next time on the Launch Angle Podcast. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We were prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy? Pioneer aerospace excellence? Start a global hospitality brand? Be next to do it in Montgomery County, Maryland. Visit benext.thinkmoco.com to see how our top talent, diversity, and location will help you be the next company to change the world.